Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Checkmate. Queen's Gambit. Checkmate. Everyone's playing chess now online. Chess is the best-selling game, I think. People are watching the show and saying, I want to play that. Queen's four to bishops nine. Knight seven to rook three. Checkmate is when there are no more moves. In chess, that is the expression for when you are going to win the game and there is absolutely nothing that your opponent can do. Literally. Nothing your opponent can do. Well, we've got a checkmate situation. It doesn't happen often in sports. To me, you're not checkmated until you have gotten your 27th out or the clock reads 0.00, much like Blutarski's grade point average. Checkmate, I reserve for instances in business when there is not a counter move. So it's the equivalent of chess, and it doesn't happen very often at all because when you're running a business, there's always something you can do. There's always a play. You can make an adjustment. You can adjust your product. You can adjust your pricing. You can adjust your supply chain. You can artificially create demand. There's always something to do in your business, in your schoolwork. You can always study harder, study smarter, study better, study longer. Checkmate happened in the Houston Rockets organization to a man who makes his money by people losing money inside casinos. Checkmate happened when James Harden decided, as we told you he had, that he would no longer play for the Rockets, that it was no longer good enough to get $50 million a year. It was no longer good enough to have a restaurant in the city of your name to be the hero of your city. Something happened where he said, Gnug, it's enough. I'm done with Houston. And he made it so the Rockets had no choice. I would not have been checkmated during this scenario when I told you that during yesterday's show. The opposite. I would have put him into checkmate. The way you put a player into checkmate with a no trade clause when they don't want to be traded and you say no problem. You don't want to be traded to a team I want to trade you to, then I'm going to sit you on the bench and I'm going to surround you with a bunch of seven-star recruits. I, although, wait, Coke, is that good if you're a seven-star recruit? The opposite, zero-star recruits, minor leaguers. I'm going to make it so you lose 100 games every year your entire career. Good luck. Have fun. I would have let James Harden rot away on the bench if I'm Steve Silas. I don't put him in the game. I don't care if the Rockets lose 60 games and get the number one pick or the best chance in the lottery. You do not let your player checkmate you. You cannot because what that does is inform the behavior of the next player and the next player. How do you walk into your clubhouse in Houston 
and look at your players and say, we're better now. James Harden is on the nets. We've got a bunch of first-round picks. We brought in anyone who's better because James Harden with his lack of, what's the word, behavior, with his inability to actually make a pass, to behave, we'd rather have Victor Oladipo even though he's a year away from free agency and we're going to let him go so we have as much cap space as possible. But he's someone who's going to be a better teammate. He can get to the rim. It's going to be better. I promise you. We're a better shape now. And you know what the players say in that clubhouse? They look at the GM and the owner and they laugh. They laugh. No matter what DeMarcus Cousins is saying about how disrespected they all feel with the way James Harden acted, and they do. And they do feel that way. The reality is, as a player... They're saying to themselves, wow, the pendulum has swung in the NBA so much. We've got the power. We can checkmate our organization when we want something. James Harden manufactured this trade to the Nets, and you knew on nothing personal this was coming. We played it out for you exactly as it would happen because of the weakness of player-centric owners, the fear that the Frankenstein they created will overtake the mad scientist, the concern that there will be one tiny thing that doesn't go a superstar's way that will cause the superstar to act like a petulant child. And then you give in to every single want and desire of that player. It's an outrage. Everyone's calling it, what a big trade. Unbelievable blockbuster. Are these people kidding me, Coca? Do they not realize that this was the most telegraphed trade in history? Do you remember when Harden said, I want to go to the Heat, the Nets, the Sixers? Well, who are the final two teams It was the Nets and the Sixers. The Nets gave until it hurt in a deal that they will come to regret by giving up all the first-round picks they did. It's like the Garnett and Pierce deal. They gave up four first-round picks, four first-round pick swaps. It's just incredible to me, actually, if you think about it. As an organization, you can say the Nets have done this before and it failed. Why would they do it again? It was under a different regime. The chance that the Nets have to chip away at what the Knicks have in that market was too good to pass up. The chance to artificially manufacture a super team with Harden, Durant, and Irving was too great to pass up. Except they only have two-thirds of that super team because Kyrie Irving is still AWOL. Kyrie Irving, who apparently is not even getting along with Kevin Durant, so it's not like LeBron and Wade and Bosh where they loved each other and they brought themselves together both on the court and off the court. Everybody's trying to copy that version of a big three, and it can't be copied. It can't be replicated. It's not and never happened again. Kyrie Irving, it just makes me laugh. What's he doing today, Coco, would you say, just out of curiosity? Is he deciding whether he wants to step away for good? Or is he deciding now that we have Harden, I want to come back and I want to help Steve Nash win a title? 
which he never was able to do. Did Steve Nash win one with the Lakers, actually? He may have won one when he left the Net, uh, the Phoenix Suns and the Mavericks. He may have won one, Coco, with the Lakers as a player. Kyrie Irving comes out and says, there are reports today that he's furious with the Nets for not giving him more input over their head coach hiring. He didn't want Steve Nash. We know that. We covered the fact that he, he and Durant wanted to be the coach of the team. What makes me laugh about these reports about Kyrie Irving being furious at the Nets right now is the word of the day, checkmate empowerment we've used, it is run amok in the National Basketball Association. And what is worse is that players in Major League Baseball and the NFL, they pay attention. They all see and know what goes on in the other leagues. It gets chirped about in the clubhouse. We put newspapers out and the headlines are right there. There have been times in the clubhouse, by the way, where I wanted to pull the newspapers when there were negative things written about the organization, negative things written about Jeffrey or about me or about a player. I would try to get to the clubhouse and tell the clubhouse guy, hey, listen, you know, instead of putting the papers out, let's put different papers out. Let's not put these papers out. It was a total form of censorship. And it was all great until the inter-Google happened. And then it didn't matter because no one was reading newspapers anyway because they got the news on their phone. And I couldn't censor that as much as I would have liked to. And by the way, we had the ability to block certain websites when you're on the Wi-Fi in the stadium so you couldn't get to a website, which is total censorship. But we did it under the guise of of productivity saying if you're on cbssports.com or other sports websites then you're not doing your job but we really did it because sometimes we wanted to control what people were able to access at work players now access everything all the negative all the positive they see it all in every sport and so everybody's watching the nba right now and wondering if James Harden was able to manufacture his way out of Houston two years into a four-year deal that, you know, $50 million a year, then what's going to stop Giannis? He got his guaranteed money from the Bucks. What's going to stop him from being upset if Milwaukee doesn't win? You know, they didn't get Bogdanovich, who, by the way, fractured his knee or something. I don't know how long he's out, Coco, but he's out. Coco's disappeared from my ear. He may be checking on Steve Nash's whether or not he won a... a um championship or he may just be taking a crap i'm not sure which it is i ask for 45 minutes during the show plus the hours before and after but sometimes you got to do what you got to do so coke is gone we're we're flying solo we're free jerry we're free it's a seinfeld reference to not wearing boxers in case you want to look at the youtube clip of that because it's super funny so that's it for me in terms of kyrie irving it's an outrage. That's it for me in terms of the trade. You're going to hear everything about this trade. They're going to break it down. People give grades. The Nets get a C plus. The Rockets get an A minus. The Pacers get a D minus. That's just media doing what they do, trying to get the clicks and try to get you to read it. You cannot grade this trade right now at all. So here's my grade for this trade. That's funny. You can't grade it. And now I am grading it. Incomplete. If the Nets don't win a title with Harden, it's a failing trade, period. It's not making the conference finals. It's not making the NBA finals. You've got to get a ring on your finger. Put a ring on it. I think that's a song, Coca, but I don't even know the words to it. Are you going to put a ring on it? Put a ring on it, ring on it. I think that's how it goes. Although I don't know if those are the words. 
oh, if you like it, then you better, then you should ring it or something. If you like it, then you should put a ring on it, ring on it. Be, oh, it's Beyonce. Right. I remember that now. Only because you just whispered it to me. God, is that an old song, by the way? Is it now that that people in sort of 15 to 25 years old to them, is that like an 80s classic song now? It totally may be. So it's a total incomplete trade. You can listen to other podcasts if you want. I won't consider it cheating. You can listen to other shows, watch, and you will hear them break it down. It's ridiculous. Don't you want to see who the first round picks are? Don't you want to see how successful Houston can be, how long they're in the dumps, whether or not they can make it back and rebuild, how good their GM is, how good Sean Marks is in New Jersey, what it'll be like if Kyrie comes back, if he doesn't come back, whether the Nets are going to suspend Kyrie without pay and use that money and get cap relief, whether or not Durant's going to stay heavy, healthy, whether or not Harden actually gives a crap now that he got out of Houston, maybe he just wants to pursue other business interests in New York, maybe he wants to pursue the nightlife in New York, maybe he wants to just go to scores in New York. Don't you need to wait? to see. Meanwhile, part of the fallout of that trade is that you're stuck in a position where the team who didn't get hardened has some splaining to do. Word came out, and it was accurate, that the Philadelphia 76ers wanted James Harden, and they were willing to trade Ben Simmons to get him. Ben Simmons was supposed to be part of the young trust the process along with Joel Embiid, and they were supposed to win in Philadelphia. They have absolutely underperformed. Ben Simmons, for whatever reason, can't shoot the ball, but that doesn't matter. I don't want to get into an evaluation of Ben Simmons as a player. You don't come to nothing personal for that. You come to nothing personal to know what you do when Ben Simmons walks in the locker room yesterday, comes to practice, comes to the pregame, and is the GM and the coach, the new coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, whose name is Doc Rivers, Daryl Morey, they come downstairs, and here's how the conversation goes. I want to give it to you exactly because I've had to have it before. It happens every year at the MLB deadline when there are players out there, when we're leaking the fact that we're dangling players because we want to trade a player who's making more money than he's worth, and then we don't get the trade done because no one wants him, and we're not going to release him. We'd rather have him play for us if we've got to pay him anyway, and then we got to go see him on July 31st when the deadline is up and for because there's always games the night of the trade deadline, and you got to say, hey, listen, I would, I would do an ass pat. I would go to the locker and I would wait for the player to stand up. This is important the way I would use my height. I am five foot five. And when I was going to a player to explain a situation, I would make sure that we were both standing because 99.99% of the players would absolutely, you know, hover over me. And there is a level of intimidation that comes with size that never bothered me. I never get intimidated by size at all. None of it bothers me. As you know, I've never been punched and I've never thrown a punch in my life at the young age of 52. And I've got a mouth and I've just been able to talk my way out of everything. But I like giving the player the feeling that he has power when I am going and saying, here's what we did. Here's why we did it. You are still here Go get them because you need to perform for you, not for me, not for the team. You've got to perform so that you are wanted by other teams. And I wouldn't shy away from it. I wouldn't deny it. I would be honest with the player. Other conversations with players would be had while seated. 
the conversations I would have with players when they were seated and I was seated is when I needed their buy-in to something and I wanted them to see that I was serious enough that it required a quote-unquote sit-down. So I would think in advance when I was approaching players, and I did this in business too. There's sometimes when you do a phone call, sometimes you do a fax, sometimes when you actually fly to see the person, sometimes when you demand the person flies to see you, you have to know in advance what you're trying to get out of a specific meeting or a specific communication, and then you adjust your body language accordingly. But make no mistake about this, and this is a little little off the subject, but every word you say and every gesticulation you have, every body position has to be purposeful for you to get what you want out of that encounter. Don't leave it up to chance. Don't make it up on the fly. Make sure you go into your scenario, whether you're asking your boss for a raise, whether you're interviewing for a job, whether you're confronting a child or a parent, make sure that you know exactly what you're trying to get out of that encounter and make sure that you think about your body language in advance. So Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers see Ben Simmons. I think you got to be straight up with Ben and say, we really haven't gotten it done. Doc Rivers plays the good guy. Daryl Morey plays the bad guy because Doc Rivers lives with them every day. They're both new to the organization. They both have a chance to say two opposite things and they assign the parts prior to talking to the player. Ben Simmons hears from Doc Rivers, hey, listen, you're good enough to win with us. You're perfect in my system, even though you take two shots, you score three points, and we can't win, and it's been a nightmare. That said, I love that you're here, and I was in favor of you not being traded. Daryl Morey says, you know my job, Ben, is to do the best I can for this team. There's no way we were going to lose that trade and you are too good to trade to the Rockets to get back just Harden. We wanted more, and the trade wasn't good enough because that's how much I value you as a player. You move on. The owner, when he comes in and sees, whether it's Blitzer or Harris, they come in and see Ben Simmons. Generally, they would ignore and avoid because they don't want the confrontation, and they want plausible deniability even though no owner, literally no owner, has plausible deniability to me because they all know what's going on. Even though they pretend they don't sometimes when it's convenient, right? It makes sense if you're an owner. You want to be protected. So Harris and Blitzer walk in and see Simmons the first time they do, and it would not be yesterday, I promise you that. And they would just sort of shrug, do an awkward smile, and hope that a few wins will make Ben happier. I think if you're the Sixers, you have to, absolutely have to try to get better. And you cannot apologize for wanting to get better. And part of sports, just like where you are now, where you're listening to this show or watching this show, people are evaluating. People are trying to do better. They're trying to find a way to be better, to make more money, to have a greater profit margin. And if there's someone who can sit in your chair and do your job more efficiently and make more money for your boss than you can, then you're going to be let go. So you've got to figure out a way to stay relevant, to stay important, to make sure that you do enough and then more than enough 
that no matter what happens personally, professionally, your boss cannot get rid of you. That's really the key. The Sixers realize that no player's in that position. So that's that. All right. We are going to, uh, I think, Coke, let's go to an early break because I, I got to get to Mank. We've got to talk about what happened with MLB and with their political action committee and them deciding not to give money. We will mention what happened yesterday with the impeachment because it's, it's history, and I want to make sure that we're clear on what exactly happened. And, of course, Shane, you better stick around because you're going to want my pick of the day, aren't you? We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think there'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, following, getting me on Twitter at David P. Sampson, just engaging with the show. I love it. Every day we watch a movie. Every day we review a movie. I got through and watched Mank yesterday. I put subtitles on because about a week ago, I was telling Coca this pre-show, I tried to watch Mank and I couldn't understand one word that Gary Oldman was saying. I couldn't understand one word that Lily Collins was saying. I couldn't understand one word that Amanda Seyfried was saying. I, I, I couldn't understand. So I stopped watching. And I was concerned that this Oscar candidate was going to be a movie that I wasn't going to watch, even though I have to watch every Oscar movie because I want to and love it. Then Coca taught me something, which he does every day, that I use every day. Something new every day. I love learning from him. And I'm not just saying that, Coca, just because you're back on the show and back paying attention to what we're doing today. Although you still haven't told me whether Steve Nash won a goddamn championship or not. Coca said, if you put on, he won a championship as a consultant to the Warriors? No, that doesn't count. I'm talking about as a player. So he didn't win with the Lakers, which means he has no championships. Okay, thank you. So Dirk won with the Mavericks after Nash was gone, I guess. I guess that's true, because I think the Mavericks beat the Heat one of the years of the big three. I just don't remember which year, and I guess that means Nash was no longer on Dallas at that point. All right, I'm, I'm moving on now. Coca taught me that on Netflix, 
if you press a button that has, that looks like a typewriter with dots on it and you press the button, you can look at closed captioning and watch in any language you want. And well, the language spoken is English. Sometimes they dub it in other languages, but that, that is a setting on Netflix that's different. If you hit closed caption and choose English, it is the movies in English and the subtitles are in English. It's epic. It's brilliant. I can watch every British comedy now. I tell everyone to watch Love Sick, which Coca gave to me and I loved. And the biggest thing I get back from Love Sick is, hey, I can't understand what they're saying. Now I get to say, no problem, put on the closed captioning. So I watched Mank. It's about Herman Mankovich, the writer of Citizen Kane, the co-writer in theory of Citizen Kane, and the story of old Hollywood and how Citizen Kane came together, the relationship between Orson Welles and Herman Mankiewicz, how Herman Mankiewicz was viewed in Hollywood. There is an undercurrent of anti-Semitism. There is an explanation as to how Citizen Kane came to be. There is an incredible performance by Gary Oldman. I mean, it is as good as his performance in The Darkest Hour, his performance, Oscar-winning performance of Winston Churchill. I am now almost ready to say, and I only say almost because this is a very heavy thing to say, that Gary Oldman may be one of the top four actors of my lifetime. I'm not there, but I feel like I need to really focus on that and think about that because his performances continue to get better and better. And you forget about some of the other ones when you go back and watch True Romance and remember what character he played in True Romance as the drug dealer. I think he was... uh, and, and now I'm really testing my memory. I think he was like a Rastafarian drug dealer uh, in, in, in True Romance. In any case, I got through Mank. It is two hours and 12 minutes of brilliance. It is black and white. Get through it. We're all adults here. It is meant to copy what a movie would have been like had it been filmed around when Citizen Kane was being written. It ends with what the result is of Citizen Kane once it is released and how it does in the Oscars. I've got a small prediction. Spoiler alert. It's not, yeah, is this a spoiler alert? Not a wait to see. But I believe that Mank will win more Oscars than Citizen Kane. I didn't say get more nominations, but I think it'll win more Oscars. I ask so much of you every day to give me 45 minutes. I encourage you when there are things that I watch to give me even more time And I try to be honest with you and say what's good, what's bad. Don't bother. I'll take care of it. I watched it for you and I'll review it. Mank is a movie that should be seen as a window into what the big studios used to be like and the unbelievable changes that have been made in Hollywood. The star power that exists today in the NBA, in Hollywood, back then it was all about the person running the studio. It was all about the studio executive and the power that they had and the people who were funding the movies. Fascinating movie called Mank. Please check it out. Okay, I got to get to uh, MLB right now. It's important to me and I hope to you that you are with me in terms of what took place yesterday and understanding the significance of it. There have only been four times that a president has been impeached. Johnson, Clinton, Trump, and Trump. Impeachment does not mean removal. 
literally impeachment is when you have articles of impeachment that are deliberated by the House, which is one part of Congress. And you impeach a president is the same as indicting that president. You are putting forward a charge to be considered by the Senate and the 100 U.S. senators in a trial. There will literally be a trial now of Donald Trump with the charge of inciting riots and mobs. Obviously, no president's ever been impeached twice. There's only been three presidents impeached ever. Obviously, we don't know what will happen with the Senate. But what we do know is there was one of the great bipartisan actions. Enough Republicans have realized that at some point, too much is too much. But what really is the story is that we touched on it yesterday, where Trump and business are now at odds, and all of the money that Trump wanted to make post-presidency is now at risk. But now we are seeing leakage. The leakage is that Republicans used to bask in Trump's glow of his base and of the scores of millions of voters that he had loyal. They would follow him because they needed those votes and that base for their own reelection. So they would ride his coattails. Very common in politics to ride coattails of a popular candidate. For that to change requires an epic act. And what you're seeing is an epic act, not because politicians are saying we're running away from Trump. No, that's not happening, actually. Businesses are running away from donations. And politicians need donations to run campaigns. They need the contributions. And company after company is saying, we are halting contributions to all Republicans, not just what some companies did in the beginning, which of course was a lot of smoke and zero fire by saying, we are not going to give to those individual candidates who supported storming the Capitol. And I explained on Twitter, that doesn't mean squat. Because if you give to a pack, you don't know where the pack is giving. But that wasn't enough. Now companies are coming out and saying, you know what? You're right. We can't keep giving to PACs because we don't control who the PACs give to. And if we give to a PAC and that PAC gives to a candidate who supported Trump and storming the castle, then all of a sudden we have by transitive property of contribution contributed to the very person we said we wouldn't contribute to. So the only way to cure that is not to give to the PAC. Houston, we've got a problem. Because if big companies stop contributing to the PAC, that's the way that these candidates don't have to block and tackle by getting $500 at a time or $2,500 at a time. PAC contributions in many cases can be unlimited. That's the whole point of a political action committee. Major League Baseball came out yesterday and they suspended all political contributions, all. And it is a big deal because baseball uses political contributions to get what it wants on Capitol Hill. I was a part of it. There was something called the Washington Business Forum led by Jerry Reinsdorf. To be a part of it, you donated $5,000 to the MLB PAC per year as an organization 
we they asked for fifteen thousand dollars, but it could only be five thousand per person. So Jeffrey would give, someone else would give, I'd give. As part of the Washington Business Forum, we got to go to Washington at the Hay Adams Hotel and rub elbows with all of the leadership in the House and the Senate because they all wanted to meet owners and presidents. And we'd have a dinner. There'd be a speaker, whether it was Newt Gingrich or Steny Hoyer or, I mean, all of these superstars, Ken Conrad, all the superstars of the Senate or the House. And so I got a relationship with many people on both sides of the aisle to this day that has lasted. And the reason why MLB does this should not shock you. It's not because they're all excited that we can have a personal relationship with Newt Gingrich. No, it's to make sure when we need something that we can get on page 1,937 of a trillion dollar spending bill and make sure that we don't have to pay minor leaguers the minimum wage. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. The reason people give money to politicians is when they want something they call on those politicians and then they get it. It may not be fair, it may not be right, but it is real. We are now in a position in history where organizations are saying the power that we get on Capitol Hill is not worth it anymore because it's not big enough compared to the revenue we will lose by not taking this stand by fans and by corporate partners and by sponsors looking at our behavior, at looking at us supporting an insurrection and a coup attempt, we cannot have that. No way. That's how decisions are made in the big boy room. You put on the big boy pants, you tighten the belt, and you say, which side do we need to be on in order to lose the least amount of money while maintaining the greatest amount of leverage politically. That's a real conversation that takes place. And the result of it in MLB's case is that they said they will now suspend contributions to the MLB PAC. For all those people who are looking to get rid of the MLB antitrust exemption, which just means MLB is part of a old law, actually, that's on the books. MLB is not subject to antitrust violations, which pretty much means that we can do, we, another dollar, which uh, dollar, for those of you new to nothing personal, I used to be in baseball for 18 years. I find myself saying we from time to time more often than I'd wish. It's a they. I'm with you now. I am a part of your, your life with nothing personal. I'm clearly not a we. And by the way, I can't land the plane, Coca. I don't remember what I was saying when I said we and they. I absolutely don't remember. That's too bad because it may have been a point that I wanted to make about what we do with our political contributions, what we do with the antitrust exemption. That may have been it, Coca. With the antitrust exemption, basically, we can do whatever we want. But then I said it's got to be they. And they take it for granted not. They contribute to political campaigns to make sure that the law doesn't change because the courts have spoken. A legislative change is what would be required and you got to make sure it doesn't happen. So right now, businesses are meeting from businesses the size of Amazon down to your mom and pop store on the corner. 
and they're meeting and they are deciding pretty much right now, how far can we go and not lose the political leverage that we try to get every year with our contributions? There's going to be more. Wait for it, Coca. There will be more and more people, in my humble opinion, who stop political contributions right now to PACs. I think the power of PACs is going to decrease now because of the lack of control by definition that you have over the money you give and the cancel culture that exists and the fine line that everyone walks with who they're associated with. This is real. This is serious, Coca. Okay. Shane, I'm up to you. You're part of the show. This is your part of the show. You're you're a loyal listener, and I appreciate that. You've learned that my MLB picks are well above average. My NFL picks are average to above average. My NBA picks are absolutely horse crap. I don't know why right now. But when I'm taking the Knicks... Of course you take the Nets. Why would you be so silly as to take my side? I'm three and eight. The Knicks lost by seven points to the Nets. The Nets are so excited to get hard and they don't miss Kyrie. The Knicks, I thought, had been outperforming this year. And it turns out I was flat out wrong. Three and eight. So I really am sorry. But I'm not going to stop, Shane, except I'm going by the way, Coca just wrote down that he had some contact. Are you, he put this in the document. So you remember, Coca can either talk in my ear or write on the document. Apparently, Shane contacted Coca and called me the Matthew McConaughey of picks from his movie Two for the Money. Okay. I'm going to stick with the Matthew McConaughey part, except I don't look like him. I'm not that tall, as we discussed earlier in the show. And I don't have the, the sort of chiseled chin that he has. And I don't mean when he played the part in the Dallas Buyers Club, talking about just his general state of being. I have no deal with Lincoln currently, so I don't think I'm Matthew McConaughey of anything. But we're going to make picks. And don't believe in the fade right now, quite the opposite, because we're going back to the NFL. We've got a big weekend of the divisional playoffs. We've got two shows left this week, Thursday, Friday. However, for you, I'm asking for three 45 minutes blocks of your life this week. We've got today's show, tomorrow's show, but tonight we are releasing the Samson sit-down with Pablo Torre. We did it the other day. I can't remember when. I can't remember if it was early this week or late last week. And it was absolutely, it was, it was this Wednesday. So it was last week, Wednesday. What is today? It was not yesterday. Today is Thursday because we're doing NFL picks, two picks a day for the next two days. Tonight at around 7.30 Eastern, the Samson sit-down will drop wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube, on the Nothing Person with David Samson channel. And Pablo Torre of ESPN is funny, engaging, brilliant, smart. And we had what to me was a interesting, good 45 minutes. I look forward to your feedback on the Samson sit-down with Pablo. So I'm going to the NFL today, two games Tomorrow, two games. We've got two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and they're good. Let's go to the Saturday games. First, what are you going to watch? I'm going to watch Packers-Rams, right? It's the first game. It's at 435 on Saturday. Here's my pick. 
The line is six and a half. I'm slightly concerned about the Packers looking forward to the NFC Championship, which they've been dying to host at Lambeau. It's been Aaron Rodgers' dream. He has never hosted an NFC Championship at Lambeau, Lambeau Field. I feel like they could look ahead past the number six seed to the winner of the Saints-Bucks game, knowing that Rodgers will face either Drew Brees or Tom Brady in what would be an epic NFC championship. I know that they're not going to look past the Rams. I got burnt by the Rams last week because their defense was damn impressive. So my pick for the Packers-Rams game is I think the Packers win the game. If you can get the money line, take the Packers to win. If not, take the under. So I'm going to do two picks on this, Coca, if you could add it to the tally. The first pick is Packers with the money line. It, I'm willing to bring it down from six and a half because I think the Packers win this game. As a matter of fact, I know the Packers win this game. I just don't think it's six and a half. I'm worried about that. But the, the straight up wager is the under in the Packers-Rams game. Second game is Bills, Ravens, and Coca's angry. Because he's a huge Ravens guy, and why wouldn't he be? If you can be a fan of a team that has Lamar Jackson, then you should do that. The Ravens are favored, uh, are getting two and a half points from the Bills. The Bills are favored. If you are not watching the Bills, they are not your Jim Kelly Bills. These Bills have a chance to win an actual Super Bowl. The hottest quarterback-receiver combination right now is Josh Allen and his receiver, whose name escapes me, but I want to say it's Stefan Diggs, but I could be totally wrong, but I think that's the combination I remember watching and realizing that, oh my God, these guys, you can't, you can't cover them. I think that the Ravens are going to have a harder time with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson is going to be forced in a deficit situation to throw the ball, which is not his comfort zone. When they are in the lead, they keep the lead because he can run with the option. Lamar Jackson is so good in that way, but when he's forced to pass, he becomes sort of mediocre. I'm going to say the Bills win this by two and a half or more. That's my second pick of the day. Run after that, Shane. Make up for the losses you had by taking the Knicks yesterday, please. All right, Coca. Something else happened. And I'm going to, I, I want to answer this question today. I really do. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. I want to talk to Samson. Something happened that I'm not going to. I'm not going to not talk about it, even though we only have five minutes left in today's show. Someone said, if you were running the Dolphins, how would you deal with your own players wondering whether Tua was good enough to be a winning NFL quarterback? So, so you want to talk to Samson, you get to me on Twitter, Dave P. Samson, ask a question. I'll try to get to it when it's a trending, interesting topic that interests me, not Coca, Coca, not me, both of us together. The only way we wouldn't answer it is if it doesn't interest either one of us. And that's not too common because we have such diverse interests, which is why we work so well together. The question that you're asking is because Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, who is a candidate to be coach of the year, where everyone is living as a happy family in Miami, where Brian Flores is doing some weird things by benching Fitzpatrick, playing Tua, then benching Tua at the end of the games, putting in Fitzpatrick, uh, saying that what's wrong with bringing in a closer into a football game? They had a winning season. They missed the playoffs when they couldn't win their last game of the year and they got no help from the Jaguars, but they were still 10 and six in what in theory was a rebuild year. They have a ton of draft capital and they tanked for Tua and got him. It's a great family there. Everything's perfect, right? No. Yesterday, 
there is a report that three players anonymously questioned in the Miami Herald whether Tua was a winning quarterback and whether he had an opportunity or was going to be good enough and whether or not they should just keep Fitzpatrick. What that shows to me is that I've got a problem with my clubhouse, that there are players who are so upset with the benching of Tua or the plane of Tua went in games that mattered and times that mattered when they were winning with Fitzpatrick. So upset that they're willing to talk to the media, albeit as a source, as an anonymous source. That means you do not have a cohesive clubhouse. That means that you do not have a coach who has control of that clubhouse. That means when you're the GM, you've got to realize that the coach who you thought was the perfect coach for your team is actually not the perfect coach because either he is taking the fall for what you want as a GM and owner, in which case you're happy with him, but you're not getting the results you want because he doesn't have plausible deniability with his players. Or you listen to him as the GM and the owner. You listen to what your coach wanted and let him have the freedom to replace Tua in the fourth quarter of a game. Either way, what is seen and shown by the fact that players are willing to talk about Tua in this way is that you have a problem. So if I am running the Dolphins, the way I would deal with this is I'm having an immediate meeting with my GM and with my coach. I am identifying which players this was because I am calling every one of them. Am I missing something? Do you have a problem with Tua? Because you bring that here. You don't air your laundry to the Miami Herald. You bring it to me. I'm the team president. I want to know because I want to win games. And if I have put you in a position where you can't win or I've got the wrong coach or the wrong GM, it is my ass on the line. It was my worst nightmare when there would be any anonymous talking to the media about something going on in our clubhouse, about a decision we would make on a player. I would make sure that I found out who it was, not from the writer because that wouldn't happen, but I would make sure I found out because I would cover all of my bases. I appreciate that you asked that question. All right, wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen and either it does or it doesn't, and we're going to revisit it. Wait to see these guys with the Dolphins who are talking smack about Tua. It's not going to work. Tua will start every game for the Dolphins in 2021 that he's not injured. Everyone. He's going to be the starter next year, assuming he's okay to play because the Dolphins are all in on Tua and they're not changing their mind. Wait to see. The second way to see for a double today, because we talked about the Nets to start off the show with their big trade of Harden. Wait to see. The Nets, who are now favored over the Bucks and the Sixers and the Heat to win the Eastern Conference, the Nets will not win the Eastern Conference. That trade is not going to be good. Too many alpha personalities, they've got a problem. And by the way, you know, we revisit our wait to seize. If you remember back on December 17th of 2020, we told you James Harden will be traded by the end of next season. And that wasn't good enough because the next day on December 18th, we said, you know what? We're going to keep that wait to see from yesterday, but we have a new one for today. James Harden will be traded before the end of this season. Guess what? That's a double yes. Both the wait to seize from December 17th and December 18th came true. Wait to see. It's just business. You've been listening to Nothing Personal. 
goat guns are GOAT. Our miniature gun models will make you the center point of attention. Display them at your office desk, bookshelf, or man cave. Collect and customize goat guns to your own liking. Each goat gun model has intricate parts that snap together to assemble. Start your next hobby addiction at goatguns.com. 